Every one of us has a unique story to share. By sharing these stories, at times we can inspire and also help others feel like they're not alone. Finding similarities through sharing of our life's journey, that's the foundation of building a community. That's what our podcast is about. Welcome to In Our Community, Season 3. mentor, a great friend, inspiration to many people in the dance community, a choreographer, an artistic director, dad to his kiddos, little Gio and Cruz, loving husband, and one of the hardest working individuals I know. His list of credentials are incredibly long with over 25 years in the entertainment industry. Currently touring with four dance conventions while running his dance studio, Icon Dance Complex in Manelopin, New Jersey. It's an honor and pleasure to have this guy back on the podcast, the one and only Gio Hubella. Welcome back to the podcast, Gio. Hitty, my man, making me blush. You like that? You like that intro? That was a really yeah, awesome I, intro. I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you I go. I loved it. Because I, I could have listed your accomplishments. It's amazing, right? Like the list of the artists that you've worked with, the things that you've done. But, you know, when I think about this kind of stuff, like how do we define ourselves? Yeah. I think... Like, this is how I would like to be listed, the things that's, that's close to you, including your family yes, and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's what I wanted to write for you. Well, that's, I mean, you and I, we talk about this and like, we, we're, I think we're family guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those, for me, when I hear those accomplishments, those like hit me back. And I guess maybe when I go back to my, my early years of dancing and it's like when I, ha- when I got an accomplishment or I booked a job those things were like, wow, overwhelming, you know, it was like so cool. But I think as we grow older, our perspectives change and we're always in, ser- in search of um, better and more. And I think when I, when you say my son's names and you say loving husband, like that makes me like literally emotional. Like it's like more than a job. Like it's like, that's for me, are the, like my biggest and best accomplishments. Mm-hmm. I appreciate all the stuff that happened before. Um, all those great jobs and all those great opportunities um, and experiences, which I still love to this day and I still will fight for sometimes. But um, ultimately, it's for them because mm-hmm. um, now I call us ourselves a team. I, I like this is my team. This is my crew. And it's made me more whole, you know, mm-hmm. as a person. So um, hearing those things are like you, you hit on all the really um, great things, you know. Do you have a moment where it struck you where your focus shifted from like when, you know, you started this on your own, um, when you started dancing and your career focus, right? And then when your family came into the picture, the, the focal point, I'm sure at some point kind of started tilt, you know, like it's not like an immediately when you get married, your focal point changes, but through going through the journey with Drea mm-hmm. and little Gio and Cruz along the way, I'm sure slowly but surely your focal point has kind of slowly started to shift. Do you remember that moment when that happened? I think what's so special about my my team, my relationship with my family is that um, they are a big part of that. Like I didn't change myself or I didn't stop doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously your priorities change, mm-hmm. but they're, they support me in everything that I do, mm-hmm. which makes my team so special because it's like, they're, you know, it's not like, all right, well, you're a dad now. You can't go teach at this city and you can't go do this, you know, and you can't go do that. And then even in, and it comes down to communication when I met my, my wife and it was like, 
it became about, look, this is who I am and this is what I love and this is what I do. And I want you to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to change because if I change, that's going to affect our relationship. Mm. So I think if I could just be me, then you're going to get all of me. Mm-hmm. Even though I may not be around as much, you'll still get more of me as a person because then I'm fulfilled and I'm happy. And I want the same for her. And she had aspirations and goals and we discussed that. And it was like, you know, she loved doing hair and makeup and she's really good at it. And she's like, hey, uh, we're going to start a, we want to start a family, but do you want a career? Like, do you want to do editorial work? Do you want to do fashion week in New York? You work close to the city. Did you are willing to do that commute every day, spend three to four hours commuting back and forth to the city. And if you do, I support you, but I don't think it'll be good for us to have children. And her decision was, Hey, I, th- I want to be a mom. Mm. And so again, it comes down to communication and teamwork and supporting each other's goals. Cause if that's what she wanted, um, as bad as I did want children, I, we would have waited a little longer, you know, if we could and whatever was meant to be. But I think it worked out the way it should. And um, she supports me and um, what I do. And um, I try to support her as a mom. And um, again, it's being a team, I think. So I there really wasn't a pivot. Like I, so I, I've had those pivots without having family. It's mm. Sometimes it was like, am I done doing this? I know for sure right now, if you said to me, do you want to go on tour with an artist? I would be like, no. And I think I know when that shift happened. I think when I started the business, like it was at that point, I was like, you know, I really can't go away for a year or six months. Mm. Like it's just not doable at this point. Um, Do you now find more joy in spreading the love of dance, the passion that you have towards hip hop in general to others than like performing on stage? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I know that for sure. And I think that was, again, that's a a pivot and a shift. Um, where it was like more about, and I think that's what, cause people say to me, do you still do this and that? And I'm like, nah, if opportunities come up, um, I'll shoot for them sometimes. But my, my number one, my soul is like in teaching kids and being mm-hmm. in the studio. And I love going in, I love the balance of having the studio and then also being able to travel and go to dance conventions mm-hmm. and, and work with kids and people that I've never, that I don't even know. And get that one, you know, that time in a in a room in a ballroom with them for the one hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try and give them so much in that hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they come up to you after class and they they look at you in the eyes and they say thank you and you're like wow okay yeah it hits home. It's like they really appreciate what I've brought in a, just an hour. Um, and it's it's a great feeling. Do you feel like after you became a dad, right? your teaching stuff, the things that you think in your head as you lead the classes with the little kids, did that shift a little bit? Absolutely. Because I have my sons in class. How can I explain this? Like, I'll do something in class and then I'll be home and it'll be the next day or the next week. And they'll look at me and say, hey, daddy, remember you said in class, like, this or that. And they're like, things that you say really... Uh They soak it up. They think about it. So much. Yes. So, you know, and I know over the years too, like, it's or I'll talk to a parent at the studio and they'll uh-huh. they'll say, you know, we were at dinner last week or when they came home, they said, yeah, Gio did this and said this in class or like gave us a speech. And mm-hmm. like the kids really sometimes you don't think they, <laughs> I know <laughs> they're paying attention and you're like, but oh, they they're really soaking up everything I'm saying mm-hmm. and doing. So I think now having little kids at home with me physically and hearing them, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this is maybe all the kids are like because I I. I mean, you've seen me teach Yes. yesterday in class with mm-hmm. my own sons. You got to experience that part of my life. 
and um, how I kind of just treat them as equals in that mm-hmm. room. Like I won't, I don't favor them and I don't, I'm maybe even a little tougher love on them. Um, but I don't want any kid in that class not never feel like, oh, those are, those are his, his kids and mm-hmm. they're, or they have an edge up. Mm-hmm. I want them to all feel like equals and I want my sons to feel equal too. I don't want them to ever take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important to me that they become that student. Sure. The thing that I noticed the most about observing your class is how well behaved your dancers are. And you had a room full of boys. Was it 25 to 30 there was, boys? There was over 20 boys yeah. in there yesterday. Yeah. And there were no side conversations. When you tell them to do something, they do it. They're focused. They're determined. The way they move has purpose to it, which is sometimes hard to teach the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, very impressive. How So when you get a new dancer... Or when you have a group of boys, like, because boys in general, right? Like, you're thinking, I'm talking about like K through two, especially that, because I think that was the age group that I was watching. Yeah. How do you go about creating that structure, the balance of, uh, you know, teaching teaching them how to be in a dance class while maintaining the fun element of being in quote unquote organized activity? Two, for me, two words. Okay. Discipline and structure. Hmm. And then maybe three words, fun. Yeah. So you need discipline, you need structure, and you need to have fun. So I, I, I reinforce to them, hey guys, look, I can be a really fun guy, but you kind of have to like know the rules, right? I want to when we go into lines, I want to see lines. Make sure that your lines are straight. Like giving them like, and I think that's important because I think kids love structure. I think they, mm. they love. Uh, they love to know, like, this is, we come in class, we go in the room, we spread out, and we're going to groove to a, to a, a fun song. It's just going to be move around, get some fundamentals in there, but just follow me. No, no, not a lot of, like, repetitiveness in there. Just, just follow me. And now we're going to line up, and now we're going to do our set structure. Now we're going to do our funky walks. We're going to do our slides. Mm. We're going to do our, our step-step, touch-touch, like, you know, um, five to six to eight sometimes exercises that they know weekly that they're going to do. And I equate it to like a ballet, a discipline in ballet. Like when you go to the bar, you're going to hit first position. You're going to do your plies. You're going to do your tendus. You're going to do. So it's like, I feel like in hip hop, we need that structure instead of just going in and just do a combo mm-hmm. like that. Cause it's just going to be a free for all. The irony of putting hip hop and structure <laughs> in the same sentence. Right. Right. And then I think anybody in green in the hip hop culture kind of understands it's, like, it's cause it's a freestyle culture, like a free for all yeah. culture where it's just an expression of yourself. Expression. Dance how you want, dress how you want. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the hip hop dance in itself wasn't born in a four walled room no. with a mirror in the front. You know, that's that's the traditional ballet tap like kind of setting. Um, so it's, it's, there's an irony to that that makes me smile every time I hear you say like hip hop and structure. It's like mm-hmm. what an ironic statement, but so true. Right. Like yeah. in terms of trying to honor the origin of what a hip hop is, but also honor kids for who they are and developing a curriculum or developing uh, a classroom setting where it's beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. Well, they need, that's why the structure is important because you hear this argument from, you know, when it comes to hip hop and, and what it's, what, what is hip hop and what is it really about? And, um, do people that teach it know, really know how to teach it. And it's, you know, it's like, you need that structure 
because ultimately, what do you come to at the end of class? We do a warm up, then we do progressions, then we do a combo. And then at the end of class, I always love to freestyle because that gives the kids the opportunity to to move and move how they want. But if they move how they want, a lot of times you see kids throw themselves on the floor. You see them just kind of there's no there's no foundation. So in order to get to a point where the, the foundation you that you lay in the structure now helps them in that freestyle moment, because mm-hmm. now you'll see a lot of them even just repeat the combo from class. But at least it's giving them a direction to, to move and it's giving them foundation. So mm-hmm. now they're learning structure. Now they know what it is to pop. They know what it is to wave. Mm-hmm. Where if you just say go in a room and dance free, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? You know what I mean? So it's like, again, finding the balance of laying the foundation of hip hop and the elements mm-hmm. and the structure of the genre um, so that you're getting rocking in there, you're getting popping, you're getting waving, you're getting um, robotics, you're getting like top rock, you're getting, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that, that five and six year olds could absorb so that when they do get in that moment and they get in that circle that they're not scared to move and that it gives them, gives them some, some direction and where to go. So it's, again, I think it all comes down to balance. Like mm. you don't want to, kill them and overload them with too much structure and too much information and and make sure that you give them some some room to express themselves and in any genre dance that's what it is like Mm. ultimately you you can give them steps all day but they got they on their own they need to know how to feel and move and express that's the tough part for them to understand I, i see a lot of the kids like they can move but there's something missing and the element that's missing is their heart yeah, they're not able to project what they're feeling, their emotions connect to themselves as a whole, to the routine that they're doing or the way they're dancing. Um, so it's 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 hard to pinpoint it to what it is, but when you see it, you can kind of easily tell that that's the missing element. I think ultimately, what it comes down to in a classroom, especially in that age, is like not necessarily, not even foundation or steps or structure. Yeah. It's just confidence. Yes. You know, can a kid get up in the middle of a circle and? be it 10 or 20 kids Mm -hmm. sitting around them and the teacher with all eyes on them Mm -hmm. and then asking them to express themselves Mm -hmm. through movement. That's scary. Yeah. You know, and some overthink it and some don't think about it at all and Mm -hmm. they just go and it's like, so it's fun as you know, as a teacher to see the different level of expression through how young people like to move and, Mm -hmm. and groove. And it makes you smile sometimes. Yeah. Like, you see things and you're like, wow, that's so cool, you know? Yeah. I think um, it goes back to that point of communication. Mm-hmm. Dance class in itself is a communication between the instructor and the dancers. And oftentimes, I think for people who are just starting to teach, it's a one-way communication in mm-hmm. terms of the instructor wanting to teach what they know to the kids right. without really looking around the room and understanding child development aspect of it, um, individual kids' needs and where they're coming from. Um, and understanding like what is age appropriate and what is not. Um, And so it's a two-way street, but oftentimes one way is being missed. And I think as you, as as you, and especially for me, and then it sounds like for you, it's true too. As we became fathers, that element of the two-way communication became really clear because we learned that like pretty early on, you can tell your kid whatever you want, but there's a highly likely chance that they may not follow what you're asking them to do. Highly likely. <laughs> <laughs> or do the opposite of what you asked them to do, you know? And then you realize like, oh, maybe it's just the way I'm approaching this situation that's wrong. It's not necessarily what I'm asking him to do. The way I'm asking is the problem. Right. So then it's usually our, you know, the wives are really good at letting us know that because uh-huh. they're better communicator to the kids than 
We are at least in my household. Uh-huh. <laughs> every household's different. <laughs> I think the other the other word we need to throw in the mix, like we talked about structure and we talked about discipline yeah but i think share like share like uh, sometimes i love to establish that we say it like this is a two-way street right i'm your teacher but i love to i would love to learn from you mm. and then their eyes get wide and they're like what is he what is he saying and it's like no i want you to teach me back like i want i'm gonna give you some information but i'd love you to give me information back because i might be able to learn from you mm-hmm. and now it puts you sort of on an like any an even playing field. I just I remember growing up as a kid, and I went to Catholic school, so I had some really sh- like some of the teachers were strict. They weren't always nuns, but um, there was literally a, a couple teachers that I remember to this day that I was scared of, mm. and that when they walked into a room and I was sitting at my desk, like my heart would pound. Mm. And I think as a little, I would never want a little kid to feel that about you about me. Yeah. And in dance class, like mm-hmm. where I make them so, I give them anxiety or I make them nervous. Mm-hmm. So how we present ourselves when we walk in a room, it's like, it could be just a smile and it could change yes. a kid's day, you know, like, and just set them up for that hour to be like, whoa, you know, the energy you walk in a room with is important. Yeah. And then you just like, I like to let, I do at convention too. It's like, look, this isn't an hour of me being on this stage way above you, yeah. looking down at you, telling you, this is it. I let any dancer know like this is we're going to do this together mm-hmm. like i'm going to give you some information you may like it you may not but i'd love you to be open to it mm-hmm. you don't have to love it but i'd love you to share something back with me because mm-hmm. at least maybe i'll get something out of this hour and then you could feel like you then you were giving something in this hour mm-hmm. instead of accepting it and saying i'm going to perfect this routine or i always say to them like you don't need to make my routine look dope Mm-hmm. So I can film you and do this, you know, like it's, that's, that's why not, not about, that's yeah. not what, why we're here. Yeah. Um, let's help, let's, let's give to each other. And then it's, it becomes a community. And then all of a sudden the, that aspect in the room changes and yeah. it's like, yes, I am up on, up here on this platform and I am giving you information, but the, it, you, that all depends on the way you take it. Yeah. So when you're sharing this, this, the thing that I think about it, when a kid comes talking to you or when a kid looks sad and you want to talk to them, the best way, best thing you can do is get down to their eye level. So either kneel down so their eye, their eyes are meeting at your, and mm-hmm. your eyes are meeting at their eye level. That's great. Because that mm-hmm. takes away that fear. And through your verbal cues at these conventions, even though you're in a higher stage, you're creating a, a space where they feel like they're seeing eye to eye with you. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy to maintain that level of I'm higher up here. I'm your instructor. Here is what you're going to do in this hour and maintain that level. But you, by you sharing, here's a space we share together. You're bringing yourself down or you're meeting them halfway to be able to see them eye to eye. And in that space where you're meeting the kids at an eye level, there's so much more that can get accomplished mm-hmm. in terms of not just the routines, but their confidence level. And the, the moment, these are the moments the kids are going to remember after they go away, you know, after the weekend of the convention and say, you know what, Geo made me feel like more than just a number on the floor or the number that I'm wearing on my shirt uh, through the thing, through the words that he said to me. Right. You know what I mean? And because it, it, could, it could be intimidating, those ballroom settings. They can be completely intimidating. And again, mm-hmm. I think it's all, it all comes down to perspective and it mm-hmm. all comes down to the educators um, because people can knock them right away and say, oh, I don't like conventions and I don't like competition. Um, and I, I, I 
agree with that sometimes in a way I don't because it I, ultimately it comes down to um, the environment like that's created yes. and who sets the tone for that environment because there could be one class mm-hmm. for an hour that I I've seen and heard it like I you know that was weird and I felt very competitive in there and, and blah 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 and then it's like and then this class was very relaxed and it's like but that's the beauty of our world like mm-hmm. how do you that experience of the up and the down like because when you go out into the real world like you're gonna you're gonna go through a ton of peaks and right. valleys like yeah and different situations environments yeah and so like stuff, oh yeah. so let's create the most perfect learning environment all the time so when you go into the world you're really not ready for anything right because the world isn't that right perfect right. you know what i mean so right um i don't necessarily agree when people knock certain situations because mm-hmm. i think there's a purpose for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, so with these kids conventions, you know, like the dance conventions mostly cater to the kids. Mm-hmm. The aspect that gets forgotten, it's, it's that instructor who's never worked with kids before of the aspect of like, let's remember what's best for these kids mm-hmm. instead of stand on the stage, just direct them like you're working with the adults. Cause that's not going to be effective. We can't expect kids to live up to our adult standards. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it's up on us as the educators or the instructors to really understand what is age appropriate, what is good for them, what's a, what's a good culture for them to be in, what's a good environment that we can create or we can intentionally try to create as the people standing in front of the room. Um, I always try to keep that in mind when I stand in front and I always have like a mental prep phase where I'm like, okay, if I'm working with K-1-2, that's a different mindset than I'm working with the high schoolers, Absolutely. you know what I mean? High schoolers, I can push a little bit more. I can speak to them in a language that's a little bit more relatable. Whereas K-1-2, I'm using a lot of metaphors, you know, like a grab a tomato jars from the top, you know, like I've never say that to a high schooler, you know what I mean? But like, that's more relatable to them or like yeah. act like yeah. a, act like a dog. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you say that to a high schooler, they'll just kind of like snicker at you. Like what the heck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. But that's the element. Sometimes I think it gets missed. Yeah. Um, and you do that really well. I mean, I've, I've observed your class working with kids all the way to adults and the way you approach the class, the things that you talk about to different age groups are so age appropriate. Um, I don't know if that's intentional, or if it's just ingrained in you through all these years of teaching. Um, but I think that's, that's incredibly valuable. Thank you. You know, I think ultimately it just comes down to taking every experience in a certain way, yeah. every teacher in a certain way. And I think that having different types of experiences and different types of teachers and different types of everything is more valuable than saying, Oh, we're just going to go to this event because this is the way they run it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like we've, you know, come to this dance convention, we've created the ultimate environment and we're doing it very different. Mm -hmm. And I'm like reading that and I'm like, like, what are you doing so different? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Let's when it when it comes down to it, are you like you, you are you reinventing the wheel? Is your wheel square? Mm-hmm. Is that what makes your your <laughs> event special? Like, and I get everyone's trying to market in a certain way, and then they could label this event. This is a very competitive event, and only really competitive dancers go there. And this is just a really fun, fan, family friendly environment where your kids are just gonna have so much fun. And it's like, okay, you know, like, but what is that? Is that good for your child as well? Mm-hmm. Like, like what I think that do that one and then go to a very competitive one. And then like give, like open your child up to experiencing different types of people and things. Mm. Cause yeah, I think I just feel like you're setting them up for failure if you don't. 
I think, you know, it's like we had to struggle with Gio, right? Like, we'll put him on the bus. Well, there was a kid on the bus that was cursing. And I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. Now he knows what a bad word is. Mm. He knows what's, what's a good word. Because if he doesn't go on the bus and we just take him to school every day and say, mm. don't say these bad words, Gio, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, now he knows what they are. And it's like, now you got to experience that type of kid mm-hmm. that's, you know, vocal about these things and says certain words. And, you know, because you go on a street in New York and you're going to hear a lot of those words, you know, like that's the world. Like, yeah. I feel like you can't coddle your dancers and you can't coddle your kids too much. Yes. Because then I think you're setting them up for failure. How are they going to handle themselves on their own when they grow up and step out into the world? Yeah. These are all learning lessons, right? Like, Without I, you a know, doubt. We, tef- we definitely have you know, a difficult conversation. Like Noah's having a really hard time anytime I go away overnight. Like anytime I take him to school now, especially after the hospital, after the hospitalization, he's just, you know, as I'm driving him to school and like yesterday when I, before I headed out, um, as he was getting off the bus, he's hang, hanging his head and just kind of looking sad. Luckily for us at the school that he goes to, like there's so many great people that's watching out for his best interest. Um, but it's also a great conversation point for me to say, hey, like, buddy, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be back. You know, it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to worry about and make sure that like, Hey, is this going to happen again? Like, am I not going to see daddy for a while again? Um, but know that this time I'm coming home and everything's going to be okay. And I'm sure eventually as you walk your kids through, like take their hand and walk with them, you know, uh, through these adversity, instead of like shielding them away. Um, they learn valuable, important lessons. That's going to be able to be relatable in the future. Um, and then, you know, like I always say for our dance program, at least because we're a recreational program, dance is a vehicle that we choose to drive. The kids are the main focus. Mm-hmm. So whatever we can do to teach kids the important life lessons, the valuable stuff that, you know, in the future when they're no longer with us and we can't hold their hands and walk with them, they're equipped, right? Like the armor of God, like they're equipped enough to handle life's adversity through dance, right? Utilizing dance as a vehicle. If we can ingrain those things, then we did our job. It's not the one percenters of professional dancers and the people who ends up in the music videos and tours with the artists that we're aiming for. We're aiming for the 99% of the kids who are going to be adults eventually in their respective careers. That probably has nothing to do with dance. Right. That's what I but tell the, the kids all yeah, the time. But yeah. the lessons that they learn through the experience that they have at our studio is going to be forever ingrained in them. To me, that's more important and that's more valuable. And that's what we choose to focus on. I mean, it's great if we have a super skilled like kid who wants to work hard. That hard work ethic in itself is a lesson of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they end up being professional dancers. That's fantastic. But that's not the end goal. Like We make it very clear to our parents, and I think they appreciate that. Because I think so much of youth sports and youth activity nowadays, their focus even if they don't say it outright, becomes that. There's a certain aspect of that that focus on that. And it's just, I don't know that if that's the best thing for majority of the kids. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing for certain population of the kids for sure. But I don't know that if that's the best for the majority of the kids that we have the privilege to work with. Right. Perspective, right? Like to me, working with kids is a perspective of its own. Some adults, some people, some random strangers have said, hey, Here's my precious kiddo. I want you to teach him how to dance. So I want you to teach her how to dance. To me, that's like, wow, how I feel honored that you have chosen us. I feel honored that you want me 
to have to be part of his journey or her journey. So I take it, I look at it as a privilege. I think it's a tre tremendous privilege, you know, and I, yeah. I always at, at our show at the end of the season, look at the people in the audience and I say, you know, thank you for trusting mm. my family in guiding your kids and, and letting, you know, showing them how to dance and you sometimes pulling up in the car and letting your kid out and letting them walk into our, our home, which is our second home, like, and trusting us. And, and I thank you for that. And it, cause it means a lot to us and it's, that's what you're doing. Like, you know, they're, they're trusting us and, um, it's, it's a, it's a huge responsibility. And does it work for everyone? No. Mm -hmm. Do they come for a season and leave? Yes. Do they stay for 15 seasons? Yes. There's, you're going to get both. It's going to be right for some people and for some people it's not. And that's what I think. But I think that's the beauty of our world. You need, I think you need diversity and experience mm -hmm. as, as much as anything else, because if not, it, you're only setting your child up for failure. Like, you know, you, you spent a lot of time away from your family and your son mm -hmm. and that he made it through it. Mm -hmm. It was hard, but he made it through it. And you, now you're in this place and it's like, now he's like, all right, now he's holding your hand. And now you're like, Ooh, I don't, he doesn't want to let it go. Mm -hmm. But you said it yourself. Like that time's going to come when they're going to let go of our hand and they're going to go. But if you don't do that now, when that time comes, he's going to have a really, he's going to have a huge struggle with that. Mm -hmm. But you taking the steps now and letting him know it's okay. And like, you're not going from one extreme to the other. If you just never leave him again and take him wherever you go. And like, that's one extreme to the other. Like that's not good for him. Like he, not, it's like he, those little, these little moments are like, and he's got, as he, as he gets older, it's, it's just going to make it, it's going to make it easier for him. Will it ever be completely easy? No. I mean, it never got easy for me. Like the first time I left, <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember getting to Orlando. I was going to Disney. It was my first job. And I got down there and I remember like bawling my eyes out. And then I remember the first time I went to Europe, all right, so I did it before, but now I'm going overseas and I'm like, you know, get there. I'm like, oh, oh my God, I don't know anyone. I feel alone. Mm -hmm. But who do you pick up the phone and call? Your family. Your family. Your family. And that's what he's going to know. No, even though you're not physically there, they're always there. Exactly. And that phone call, and now it could be FaceTime. Yep. It's even, you know, God knows what it'll be in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like you can superimpose them and they'll be like, you know, boom with you in the room. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a holographic image. Like God <laughs> knows what it'll be. It's, it's insane. But, um, I think that you're doing the right thing. I think, I think, and what are we all doing? We're just all doing the best we can. Exactly. We're going to, you know, we all, we're all going to make mistakes well, no one's perfect, but it's part of the process. But as long as we just do the best we can, mm -hmm. we'll be all right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the perfect ending to the podcast. Sorry, 30 minutes. This conversation. I'm telling you, Gio, we should do a series <laughs> of this uh, podcast, like continue on. Because every time we sit down and chat, like every time I come hang out with you, it's just the truth is I learned so much just having this conversation. And I really, really appreciate it. Um, to the listeners who don't know, like Gio is one of the people who came to visit me at the hospital. You know, he volunteered his time to come and teach our kids. I can't thank you enough for all that you've done since I was in the, when I was in the hospital. And, uh, you know, I look forward to these continued conversations. Hopefully, um, this is an inspiring, inspiring conversations for those who are listening. Um, you know, I always think like if, if I can get somebody to think, 
think about certain things that we're talking about on the pod by them listening to this, then I think we're doing the right thing, you know? And that's, that's my approach to life in general. If I'm doing something and it makes them feel like, maybe I want to I think about what he said or I want to think about what I did with him and have that moment, I'll pause to say, that was a good time or like I learned something there, then that my time was worth it. You know what I mean? Like that, the, the purpose that I was put on this world, this earth for was being served in that moment. You know, it doesn't have to be million people can just be one. I was just going to say that, like, you know, it's not like we're, we're not sitting here. I think we're sitting here talking more for each other yeah. than for saying, oh, that's that- always been the theme when we do these podcasts. Yeah. I feel like when we did the uh, quarantine pod, it's like yeah. we sat down and talked for an hour because it was f- fulfilling for both of us. Yeah. In that moment, we felt lost because we lost that connection to the community and the kids. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we had was this computer screen. And right. It just wasn't serving us, you know. We did the best we could in that moment, but we weren't getting the fulfillment that we typically get with being in the classroom with a group of kids, right? Who wanted to be there, right? It's so. different, very different experience, and same goes for like someone with listening to us and this. It's like we're not doing this again to serve millions, like mm-hmm. or we don't. Who cares how many? If it's if it's one, great. If it's a million, great. But. Um, I think the conversation is, and I think that is again the rollover is like when when I go into a, a room to to teach. Yes, it's for the kids, but it's also it fulfills me. Mm-hmm. It, it's my I know it's my my not even that it's my purpose. It just makes me who I am, mm-hmm. and I think that's ultimately where everyone wants to be. And if you could translate that to kids and say. You know, they they'll you don't have to say, hey, this is fulfills me and makes me good. So make sure you do what you love. I think kids will just tap into that and read it and then they'll gain confidence in what they're doing. And if they feel something feels good to them, they're going to know it because I try to show them confidence. It's like, I don't dance and spin sometimes to be like, Whoa, look at me. I'm the coolest teacher. Mm -hmm. I I see their eyes light up when I do certain things. And it's like to show them, you got to have confidence. You get like, I love, like I want them to see that. I love to dance. Mm -hmm. Not, that you know i'm trying to show you this cool move right and that it's and it's a, it's it's deep but in a way but in a way it's not i don't oh, know it's, it's good it's, it's just uh again it's um it's true i appreciate you i've learned a lot in the process of um your journey and then how important family is and how you know keeping in touch with the people that were closest to you i felt for them and was affected um in so many ways in in the experience it, it and like you met people last night that are just people that go to my class and a couple of them that said like, like yeah. they saw how the experience affected me. They knew. Um, Cause I wouldn't really talk about it much, but I would just say, yeah, something's happening with a friend and um, yeah, it was, and I think it was for a reason. Hmm. I, 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 and I think that everything happens for a reason and um, obviously I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. I'm more than glad um, <laughs> in so many ways. Um, shout out to the adult hip hop crew on Tuesday night. They're shout awesome. out to the crew. Um, such, such nice group of kind people. They're special to me. Those people are special. Like they, they always tell me how much when they're walking out the door, like, thank you. They say, thank you. And they say, you, you don't know what this hour does yeah. for me. And, you know, and nothing is better than, than that. Like I, I to, for them to say like, oh, that was a cool routine. They know it's like, what it, what this hour did for me and my soul and my, mm-hmm. 
my time and my headspace. I just need it. Yeah. To I think to wrap up, I think the best way to conclude this is what we try to teach our kids is what we wish we knew back when we were younger. Right. And part of that is like as we grow up, like we realize like being able to be in a dance class is a privilege. privilege yeah. You would do anything. Like I had so much fun just being back in your classroom. And I knew from the moment that I got out of the hospital, the first dance class needed to be with you. Oh man. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's one of those things, like the things that you might take for granted as kids, mm-hmm. it's not always going to be there. And so even though it might seem taxing, it might seem like it's a lot and it might seem stressful Try to be present in the moment and enjoy the process because you never know when the last time that you're going to be in that kind of dance class is going to be. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Gio, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, my and brother. I look forward to our continued conversation. We will do it. We will do it. Appreciate you.